to find out how you can get final expense insurance with a guaranteed lifetime rate log. Call LifeCare at 1-800-611-4463. 1-800-611-4463. KCAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, 106.5 FM, and now 102.3 FM. Villanueva Income Tax Services and Ninos Realty in Los Angeles reminds listeners that small business owners and their employees have been greatly impacted by mandates set to keep people safe. More than ever, small businesses need your support. By using these resources to shop, eat, and stay locally, you can help neighbors and communities thrive while finding everything you need. That important reminder is from Villanueva Income Tax Services and Ninos Realty in Los Angeles. They are reminding everyone your hand is the heart of our community. The caring staff at Mac Flavor Ingredients reminds everyone to please take the opportunity to give blood. By doing so, you may save the life of a friend, child, elderly person, surgery patient, or an accident victim. So give blood. It's safe, simple, and saves lives. This important reminder is a courtesy of Mac Flavor Ingredients in Riverside, where they care about the safety and welfare of our community. Be a silent hero, and if you can, give the gift of life. Give blood. Come to Hooters where there's no such thing as a party of one. Located with a 60 and the 215 meet in Riverside, near Merino Valley. For more info, Google Hooters Riverside. There's only one thing you think of when you think of Hooters. Wings. Wait, what? With more styles, better flavors, and fresher wings, you could only be in the original American wing joint. Get them smoked, bacon-wrapped, original style, and now introducing new Roasted Wings. Roasted crispy to seal in the flavor and seal out half the calories. One taste and you'll think of nothing else. We'll see about that. Come to Hooters where there's no such thing as a party of one. Located with a 60 and the 215 meet in Riverside, near Merino Valley. For more info, Google Hooters Riverside. There's only one thing you think of when you think of Hooters. Hooters, the original American wing joint. Be safe. Be ADT safe. ADT alarms will help you make your world a better place. Be baby safe. Be home safe. Be business safe. So protect yourself with ADT. And Safe Streets, your local authorized provider. And now, through the end of next month, Safe Streets ADT has a special plan to help you accomplish your safety with all free equipment and low-cost monthly fees. From door and motion sensors to glass shadow alarms, cameras, along with alarms that just don't fail, ADT can help you be safe all through the day and all through the night. Go to BADTSafe.com. That's BADTSafe.com and click on the special button with the code ADT Radio and save. Or text Gabriel Varner at 330-999-0279 to get all your free ADT equipment with low-cost monthly monitoring. Do it now because there's no better time to be safe with ADT. That's BADTSafe.com. Now that we're home more than ever, we need to feel safe. Call it a sign of the times or the world we now live in. What do you want to keep safe? The people in your life? What do you want to protect? Your possessions? The things that belong to you? The things that you've worked hard for? Wouldn't it be nice to have tested, trusted 24-7 protection? Peace of mind, real protection that's always there for you and your whole family? Well, now you can with one of our state-of-the-art home security systems. Everyone thinks their home is safe, 
until the unexpected happens. Start protecting your home and loved ones today with the affordable next generation in home security. To keep your family and property safe, call 1-800-202-7711. Representatives are standing by to assist you. That's 1-800-202-7711. 1-800-202-7711. During this time of uncertainty, Indy's Demolition in Huntington Park is open for business and the staff is optimistic about the future of our community. Now, more than ever, it's time to shop local. Indy's Demolition encourages all listeners to support small businesses and local families. Share your buying and service experiences online and by word of mouth. Together, we can mend the fabric of our community. That's from Indy's Demolition in Huntington Park, where they're reminding everyone your hand is the heart of our community. Make a stop at the KC Country Junction. Go to this place they call Country Junction. Country legends, all-time classics, and recent favorites all meet at kccountryjunction.com. Make your day a little bit country at kccountryjunction.com and overnight starting at 1 a.m. on KCAA 102.3 FM, 106.5 FM, and 10.50 a.m. It's the KC Country Junction on KCAA and kccountryjunction.com. KCAA Radio has openings for one-hour talk shows. If you want to host a radio show, now is the time. Make KCAA your flagship station. Our rates are affordable and our services are second to none. We broadcast on three terrestrial frequencies to a population of 5 million people. Plus, we stream and podcast on all major online audio and video systems. If you've been thinking about broadcasting a weekly radio program on real radio plus the Internet, contact our CEO at 281 9-9-9-800-281-599-9800. You can Skype your show from your home to our Redlands, California studio where our live producers and engineers are ready to work with you personally. A radio program on KCAA is the perfect work from home avocation in these stressful times. Just type kcaaradio.com into your browser to learn more about hosting a show on the best station in the nation or call our CEO for details, 281-599-9800. Villanueva Income Tax Services and Ninos Realty in Los Angeles reminds listeners that small business owners and their employees have been greatly impacted by mandates set to keep people safe. More than ever, small businesses need your support. By using these resources to shop, eat, and stay locally, you can help neighbors and communities thrive while finding everything you need. That important reminder is from Villanueva Income Tax Services and Ninos Realty in Los Angeles. They are reminding everyone your hand is the heart of our community. With 60 years of fascinating facts, this is The Man From Yesterday. And back in time, we go to this time in 2002. Phil Donahue is back with a new talk show, this one on MSNBC. His older syndicated show went off the air after being clobbered by Oprah Winfrey a few years ago. Uh, I want to show him you and Gracie at work. This is just a, a bit of a clip. I mean, okay. if, if this isn't uh, history... This was at the center of our popular culture. And from this time in 1994, passing Gary Kildall. He's the guy who created the first popular operating system for PCs, and he lost out to Microsoft's new MS-DOS standard. Gary Kildall was only 52. What's so important about the work that Gary did was the fact that he was one of the first to introduce uh, an operating system for personal computers. And from this time in 1961, astronaut Gus Grissom 
America's second man in space, makes a successful 16-minute flight, but Grissom gets into big trouble when his Liberty Bell 7 capsule sinks in the Atlantic Ocean. Grissom managed to escape. The astronaut himself, Air Force Captain Virgil Grissom, was recovered, is now aboard the USS Randolph in the Atlantic and will soon be steaming toward Grand Bahama Island. He is undergoing the first of his medical examinations. With more at manfromyesterday.com. K-C-A-A. Welcome to the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show. I am your host, Scott Knudsen, with a very special guest. She's an educator, she's an entrepreneur, and she has a PhD in chemistry. Popper Clem. Popper, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So you're very busy. So we're going to try and cover as much as we can in our short amount of time today. So so what, what kind of got you into the horse world and specifically into the hunter-jumper world? Um, I loved horses from the very beginning. I come from a non-horse family. My mom opened up the phone book and found a barn in the yellow pages when awesome. I was growing up. Um, we, I grew up on the East coast and it was a very, um, English riding community. I don't think I knew anyone riding Western growing up. Um, and so that, that influenced that. And I, I did pony club and, and I think that was such a great experience because I got to do everything. I got to do dressage. I got to do three day eventing and, and all different things, but, um, kind of antithetical to my personality. I found my love in the hunter ring because I, I think it is such a challenge. Um, I'm not, I'm not really type A in many other things. I'm kind of uh, like, let's make a mess type, <laughs> type B <laughs> um, person oh. who's, who's creative and, um, you know, not organized, but the hunters are just such a challenge because it's all about perfection and beauty Absolutely. and organization and and I will do this my whole life and never you know never achieve it and that's really interesting to me that's so awesome I'm already off topic but um <laughs> it, it's so cool because people watching or listening today they they, they might not have a horse or even know where to start you just jumped in found a barn went to it went to the one of the hardest competitive classes there is Yep. And, um, and I, I keep, keep at it all the time because there's, I mean, you know, with the horses, like you think you have one thing figured out, and oh, <laughs> they find yeah. something else to, Absolutely. It's to a challenge you with. That's so awesome. That's such a great story, you know, that you found your way into the industry. And that's, that's an inspiration to so many people that want to be in the industry. And now they may have heard from someone that can. So, um, so PhD, so you have a PhD in chemistry. So did you find chemistry or did chemistry find you? Um, a little bit of both. Um, I actually took a break from riding. Um, I, I didn't see a pathway for myself and I worked really hard and I was a working student and I was around, you know, immeasurable wealth at, as a teenager. And it's, it's hard to handle all that stuff sometimes. And right. we all know we have to be in the sport for the right reasons and for the horses. And I got to a point where, you know, I, I didn't see how to achieve that for myself. And then I had a lot of pressures uh, for traditional education, um, both my parents are professors. They never really, they supported me, but they never really understood the horse thing. They didn't see how that could translate into a career. And, um, and so that's something I'm really passionate now is like showing people real jobs and real careers and, and real ways to be part of this sport that, that are attainable for people. Um, so I took a break in college and grad school, um, collegiate riding wasn't what it is now. I mean, I, I think the opportunity that has come up 
since I was that age would have changed my life between the emerging athletes program. Like we have so much stuff. And then with social media, you have access to, to knowledge, but, but I, I didn't really see how to get the knowledge that I didn't have. And, um, you know, I, I, I didn't, I honestly, I didn't see that if I put the years in, it would have been there for me. Mm-hmm. And that's also something I really want to counsel young people about is that, that it is there for you and you do have to put the years in, but it can be there for you. Um, and, and I just didn't see that at that age. So I took a break and I really focused on school and all the same things that make you a great horse person, make you excel academically, Absolutely. you know, that discipline, um, I never procrastinated, you know, I, I would look around and like, no, you can't procrastinate at the barn if you don't right. get your stuff done. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You know, you can't dawdle around the barn. And when you apply that to life skills with other people who, you know, aren't as good at just kind of rallying themselves and getting, <laughs> getting moving, um, you know, it, it, it's, these are all skills that we use all the time in the, in the real world. And, right. and the horses are very unforgiving. And when you apply that somewhere else, it, it's not hard to excel academically. Right. It, it, it applies to different businesses for sure. And, and but it, it's, it's just getting something done and, and doing the steps every single time. And you can't skip a step, whether you're training yep. a horse or you're doing something else in the business world. So yep. that, that's and, so cool. And science is the same way and, and going out there and forging with the unknown, you know, doing research and trying to get peer-reviewed publications. Like it, a lot of it's the same puzzle process as making up a young horse and going to the barn. That's so cool. The correlation there. That's so awesome. So, so you teach three classes. Yep. Is that correct? At, at Clarkson. Yep. So, so if somebody is watching this, they're like, man, I really want to get in the industry. I really want to learn from Piper. How can I do it? So how would they find you? And kind of let's talk a little bit about your classes if you can. Yeah. Um, so the Plaid Horse, um, I'm the publisher of the print magazine and we do a weekly podcast. Um, so we have a lot going on there. And um, for many years, I supervised interns. Um, it was always a big part for me giving back and, and, all of these things that we talked about, really making people see how they can be part of the industry and how they can make it work for themselves. Um, and so over time, I I started to miss teaching, doing the plaid horse all the time. And then with the interns, I, I got to a point where honestly, I really wanted to assign them to do the reading. I would give them readings and stuff. And <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I wanted them to, you know, and, and I get it. Like school always comes first. And these kids are so burning the candles at both ends and and they're working so hard and so much on their plate and like what gets cut well the reading you're doing for fun I get it um and I thought you know if we can legitimize what they're doing into an actual class it helps legitimize what they're doing into an actual career um so I started working with Clarkson and they have a great entrepreneurship program and they've been really open um to it I came with this grand idea (laughs) and they've never had any classes in their history that are just open to everyone Um, And I said, that's a deal breaker for me. These have got to be open to assistant trainers or parents. We get a lot of parents sign up. Um, We have students in high school, a couple of talented middle schoolers and and really like start this process at at a different stage. And of course we have current college students and transfer students, um, students getting transfer credit, but, you know, really making it open to everyone legitimate, hard, valuable college courses and addressing all the things that I see real world in the industry. And 
like I, I buy and sell horses. I have a lease business, um, for pony hunters. Like I am out there, um, you know, aside from current times, I typically go to 50 horse shows a year, um, of all different levels. I'm out there doing it. And it, it's hard because academia respects people with academic credentials and there are very few horse people with academic credentials. Right. And, and right. that gap is hard to bridge explaining to academics why they should respect horse people that do not have credentials that they respect um and so I really saw this as a way that we can we can validate all of the hard work so many young people do at the barn but it's hard it's hard to convey that on a college application it's hard to um you know get people to who have a certain value system academics have a very specific value system you know putting it in their language so that they can value the entire investment that, that people are making in horses. I, I think, you know, it, it's one step towards bridging that gap. Absolutely. It's a, it's a big step. And I think it can be bridged because I know the universities want to educate and people that are out there in the field can help do that. And then you have two people of knowledge helping that one person. It, it just makes sense. Yeah. It, it, it is so important for not only our industry, but just education in general. That's where I started getting excited because I love people that want to learn and then progress their, their careers. And, and I think by doing what you're doing is so important and, and, and using not working with interns, but also just going to the educational side. Yep. Yep. And I still like I have open office hours um, that people can schedule time to meet awesome. with me. Um, you know, I really believe that people starting businesses and they have questions. Um, we, we deal so much in kind of coded language in the horse industry and there's stuff that like everyone knows ostensibly, but like, there's no way to find that information. And there's so much stuff that I know that I'm not, I don't know enough to write an article, but I know, you know, right. Um, and, and so, um, you know, I really think office hours, class, all of this stuff are valuable times to share that knowledge that I'm happy to share, but you know, it's not going to withstand to, you know, a lawyer right. read or going up on the website. Well, it's so good for somebody to be able to go into your office or call you or take a class and you're out there doing it and still apply to the college. That's wonderful that they're doing that. And, and you know, our industry is so huge, but people are, don't know how to get in. And, 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 and like you, they looked in the yellow pages, there's ways to get in and they might take your class. That might be the toe in the water, so to speak, to get them to get into the industry. Absolutely. And when I was growing up, you know, I subscribed to the Chronicle and Practical Horsemen and stuff, but Absolutely. I, it, it never occurred to me how the magazines got put together and that's such a you know but it it never occurred to me that someone is doing every step of this magazine process and I think that we obsess over who's riding or who's you know training but we don't always show people all the different careers and options of how many vendors and course designers and stewards and braiders and grooms and and how many people are at the horse show it's, it's an incredible feat. It's not just a trainer, like you say, it's, it's, you know, the photographers and there's so many ways to get into the industry and be successful and, and doing the classes with you and, and talking to other people that are successful in the industry. That's the way to get in and be successful for sure. Um, so Piper, so tell us a little bit more. So we're talking about getting people into the industry and I love that. And I love that. I know that's one of your passions is to bring people into the industry and educate them and help them find their way. So, so where do you uh, find people that are coming into the industry? Is it just different, uh, different uh, avenues, different people? Yeah, I, I think, and I think this is a scary point for our industry. I think 
um, the older generation got their start at pony rides and, right. um, you know, driving by the barn and, and having barns kind of and horses exist in daily life a little bit more, maybe knowing someone who rides. Um, we're a very siloed community right now. Land prices, you know, there's so many factors have driven barns further and further away from cities. Most people live in cities. You know? um, right, right. This is a challenge. Um, most people are not going by a horse farm on their way to school or work and, and might get interested. Right. Um, there are fewer and fewer pony rides and riding academies and lesson barns and, and fewer places starting people. So um, I, I think that is something scary that we, we all need to be cognizant of. Um, one of the things that I think also, so many people quit riding. Um, I quit riding. I didn't see where things were going. Um, you know, I came back. Some people come back. Some people don't. Um, but, you know, really talking to people, having that support group and making people feel welcome is has been huge. And I've talked to so many people over the years that um, we do a ton of articles on everyone is welcome, like no matter what you look like. Seen no matter, Those are great. Those are what great. you have yeah, going on. And, and so many people have come up to me over the years of, you know, I, I, I was afraid to come back to riding, but, but your communities and stuff made me feel really supported to come back. And you, you do a quick back of the envelope calculation. And, you know, when, when someone's not riding at all, <laughs> they're not buying anything. They're not buying anything. helmets. They're not buying saddles and bridles and britches and, and all this stuff. And e even the occasional rider is, is buying, all the gear, um, the person who gets swept back up in it, it's, as we all know, easy to spend a fortune in this sport. Absolutely it is. And that sustains everyone. It sustains the, the trainers and the horse shows and the vets and the farriers and the blacksmiths. And every aspect of our sport is sustained by wow. every person who comes back in. So I think really making, we can all go out of our way to make everyone feel welcome Absolutely. in this sport. Um, I think we are traditionally bad at that as horse people. Um, Absolutely. There's a lot, um, there's a lot of unwelcoming tendencies that, that I think are bred in the competition environment um, that are just not necessary. We're all fighting our own battles. <laughs> like yeah. our biggest competitor is ourselves. Um, yeah. It's uh, each other is not the competition here. Um, so I think keeping people in the sport is huge. And then welcoming people as you can, as you see opportunities, if you're at work and you can invite your work colleagues or your school friends or anybody out to the barn. Um, I encourage everyone to come out to the barn. People I can get out to the barn. I encourage everyone to go for a pony ride. Um, I'm really all about, um, you know, getting people in whatever safe vehicle as involved as they can. Cause I, I found that a lot of people just need that one right. ride or one or two rides and they're like oh this is you know and that's the equivalent of the pony ride from the last generation but like it doesn't matter if you give a pony ride to a 50 year old woman and she starts riding like that's amazing for the sport it's awesome that's, um, that's awesome and like my um my mom has never ridden and she always kind of wanted to and um i never really had the right horse and stuff for her so she actually came out to the barn in april and my horse is at an age and a maturity level that he was ready for that. And um, she's 74 and she rode him around at the walk. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and, and she's like, I, she's like, I want a horse show. Um, <laughs> there's one horse show that has an adult walk class. And she's like, I want to do it. Um, that is just, great. 
you think about how much horses give all of us, I want everyone to have that. And we should all want everyone to have that. And how, how can we get them more into our lives? And, and even if they're not riding, can you get people out to the barn to groom or be around horses or, you know, pet them? You know, I I think it's, it's, we all want to make grand things. And I think the most, if everyone could do a simple gesture, it would make like a huge difference in our, in our sport. It, it really will. We have people that come out to the house. They don't want to ride at all, but they want to take pictures or, yep. or they want like being around it, you know, and that's great. You know, just come on and do it and encourage them. And who knows, they might show up at a show and and enjoy it and do more, you know, so it's so sure. important. I had the opportunity to ride with um, Brianna Noble, who's the Oakland cowgirl, and she took me into Oakland <laughs> riding. And so we had the that's horse cool. trailer. We had a horse trailer parked on the side of the street and unloaded the horses in this neighborhood and people came out of their homes in the neighborhood and wanted to pet them. And just like you said, take pictures of the horses. Some of them were a little afraid, you know, because they were so big and then kind of got over that and took pictures and to be part of the community is, is amazing. And, and things like that, I, I think are so cool and, and people trying to get the horses where the people are because cities are where people you know predominantly live in this country and and so you know you bring them out into muhammad at some level absolutely you do absolutely that's really cool that had to be a cool experience it was unbelievable you know in in the bay area there we rode up on the the ridges and the hills and looked over the whole san francisco bay and it was unreal oh beautiful Beautiful. So the plaid horse, let's talk about the plaid horse. So it's a podcast, you have your magazine, your classes, the plaid horse backslash class. So can you tell us a little bit about it and what it encompasses? Yep. Um, so the plaid horse existed before um, I bought it. I bought it in, two th- um, it was established in 2003 and I bought it in 2014. Um, this was, I didn't know what I was doing at all. <laughs> uh, at jumped all. in. I jumped in. Um, the day I bought it, I called my parents and my dad was like, you realize print is dying, right? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and I was um. like, um, and, you know, he's not wrong on the general sense um, and the general trend since then. But um, I started. Um, I So when I finished my Ph.D., I was really burned out and, and I. I decided that I was going to do something to not be burned out. And everyone asked me what I wanted to do. And I hadn't even been to a horse show in a while, but I was like, you know, I'm going to go to thermal for the entire winter circuit and not do anything. Um, and cause I had like been to pieces of circuits in the past, but I knew there was something that you're missing by just not seeing the whole thing that start to finish. And I just wanted to see it. And everyone thought I was crazy. And my then boyfriend, now husband <laughs> was like, sure, whatever. <laughs> Um, I was like, I'll see you in eight weeks. Bye. <laughs> um, and so I um, rented a little place and I went down there. And um, by the end of the first week, I was bored to tears. I'd never really lived on the West Coast. I didn't know anyone. And, um, you know, I was like, watch the horse show. But, you know, again, when you when it's not personal, it's a totally different experience. So. Right. Um, and I had no like purpose and, and I happened to be on Facebook and someone posted like that one of the publications was looking for someone to cover the Grand Prix. And I'd never done any journalism like that, but I was like, well, I can do that. Why not? Um, and, and it was a complete light bulb moment when I talked to the Grand Prix riders, because I'd been looking for this knowledge and this education my whole life. 
and all these people were like, oh my God, annoying, annoying girl, please leave me alone. Um, and, and instead it was like, oh, of course I want to talk to you about why I did five strides instead of six strides in that line. Like, of course I want to talk to the press and it, and I was like, oh, this is education. Like other people are viewing this as something else, but like my education lens, I was like, this is how we bring education to the people. Social media was just getting started. And I started working with other people and quickly found that I don't, you know, as with most things in my life, I'm <laughs> not great at working with other people because I have my own ideas on how things would be. <laughs> right. And um, I really, I, I saw something and I couldn't totally explain it to other people. And even when I could explain it, I couldn't get it across other people. And so other people in the industry kept saying, social media is just a fad, like a little girl, you don't know anything about marketing. And on paper, I didn't, you know, I'm coming from my chemistry PhD and, and, um, you know, I had no way of knowing what social media was or wasn't, but, but right. I, I saw this as an educational place. Um, so as I did that more, I figured that, you know, okay, I, I need my own thing, um, whatever that means, like, but I can't, I, I have my own ideas and my own vision and how I want to handle this. Other people don't fit in <laughs> great with that. Um, and so I also, but I also like looked like I was 12. So I was like, <laughs> I need something that has a little longevity behind it. Otherwise I'm really gonna struggle. Makes sense. Um, so I started calling around and um, for websites, magazines, all kinds of things. Um, I was mostly looking for a website um, and the woman who owned the plaid horse um, answered her phone. I called around and asked who owned it. Someone gave me her phone number, I cold called her. And I didn't read anything into it at all when I was like, would you sell it? And she was like, yeah, yes. <laughs> I, I love um, that about you so much that you just go for it and you find your way. And um, it was so fast. I, I want to say that like from the initial call to due diligence being done was like five or six weeks. Like, wow, that's great. I had no idea. Like, and then I owned a magazine and I had like, five weeks to put out an issue and I had no idea what I was doing. Oh my goodness. Um, so on the business side of things, um, I bought the magazine with a mortgage, um, from the previous owner. So I made a small down payment and then I paid monthly, um, payments until she was completely paid off. Um, and awesome. I interject that to say that this stuff is possible. And I knew that that was possible with her because I asked her, you know, I said, right. this is what I have to put down right now. Um, but I'm, I'm happy to work with the price that you want to work with overall, you know, how do we make this work for both of us? Um, and she was amenable to that. And some people would be, and some people wouldn't be, you know, and that that's fair. Um, so I, um, so then I have this magazine and I just had to figure it all out and, and everything was so hard because I didn't know what I was doing. I tried not to change too much because the magazine wasn't losing money and I knew that I could easily <laughs> lose money. You know, somebody, it was back sure, in newspaper sure. print, you know, there were a lot of it was black and white and everyone was like, make it glossy, go color. And I was like, no, 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 <laughs> we're, we're figuring <laughs> out how every aspect of this works before we're changing things. Um, so it was a little slow going in the beginning and, and slowly um, over time, we built the websites and the social medias and, and all of our educational platforms. We published books, um, we published the first three of um, my Show Strides book series with Renny Dyball, um, and those are for young equestrians. And again, they're they're fun fiction reads for middle grade readers, um, but they're also based on my values. There's no, 
mean girl. There's no, there's Absolutely. no, we're not, yeah, we're not bullying any one girl because she's rich or because she's poor or she's different. Um, right. It's all about how hard this sport is and, and working through that as we all do. So it, it's turned into so many great things. We have a nice um, team now that's, that's managing other people did not come naturally to me. That took me a long time sure. um, to get, get the right team in together. Um, I realized that I had my own business because I didn't want anyone to tell me what to do, but I also had no interest in telling other people <laughs> what to do. <laughs> Funny how that works. Uh, um, so that, that's been like a very, very acquired non-native skill for me. Um, and I'm like, just do your job. Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but it works. It is a great magazine. Even if you're in other industries within the, the horse world, you can still read it and pick up tips and see attitudes. And, and I love it. I, I was on there yesterday or today, look, yesterday, reading it and looking at different stories. And, and, and some of it just flows to other, other parts of the industry. And, yep, uh, yep. But it's really well done, for sure. Thank for you. Sure. And we believe horses are universal and everyone's. Absolutely welcome and, and we'll find their place in the industry and where wherever that place is for you um that's what's important and the classes are the same thing it's not about this is right or this is wrong it's these are the options and you pick what makes the most sense for your life and your family and your circumstances this was so great it's so great that's why i have so much passion about our industry because it, it is so big you can find your way if you really want to find your way and there are Absolutely. people like you out there and and, and that want to help them do that so that's go so great so so let's talk about another entrepreneur vision um lease ponies yeah I, I thought this was so cool do you mind just talking a little bit about that oh absolutely so my parents are both business professors and while they didn't understand the horse thing they thought that i should learn something um about this and so before i got my first pony i had to give them a business presentation of awesome. how the pony was going to work financially and, and all that stuff. Um, and my parents being non-horse parents got me an unbroke two-year-old. Um, oh my goodness. <laughs> and um, so that was like kind of the, <laughs> the most rough part of the plan. Yeah. Um, but I made a whole presentation on portfolio. I kept track of every expense, mileage to the barn, every blanket, every shoe, every everything. And then my parents completely let me decide what was going on, which is really cool because I see so many young people that have helicopter parents. And my parents let me choose like what barn I rode at and, you know, a lot of the schedule and the planning and the horse shows and, and that kind of stuff. Um, and so I, I made this pony up over like years, like, you know, this... <laughs> shouldn't none of these steps should take this long but like everything <laughs> took me like a year put some time and thought um, into it yeah I didn't know what I was doing but I figured you know <laughs> if I, I wanted it so if I spent enough time at it but we'd figure it out and and we did um and so she started going to shows I showed her in the breeding classes and then you know I was the first one to ride her and for first jump first everything and and got her up to the green ponies. And then, um, my parents let me do whatever I want. And I started leasing her out and leasing wasn't really a big thing back then. Um, and I looked at it of like the back of the envelope is ponies lease for a third of their value a year. I was like, well, in three years, um, I could still own her and have the money. Um, sure. leasing is a lot more complicated <laughs> than that. Um, we learned, you know, 
so many things like, um, you know, the, you know, you, you want them with a great trainer and in great care, of course, but, uh, you know, on our first lease, two weeks into the lease, the people got kicked out of the barn Oh no! and didn't tell us. And then we didn't, again, just, it wasn't in writing. It wasn't in the contract that they had to approve the next barn. <laughs> um, you know, all these things you learn along the way that you'll never sure. make that mistake again. Sure. Um, so, you know, it was, it was a little bump and go in the beginning. And, um, and then she started being a really good pony and getting a reputation and um, continuing to get leases. And um, I actually still own her to this day. Very cool. Um, and she uh, kind of goes around as, as people need her. She's at um, a lovely barn right now where unfortunately they had a, a barn fire and lost a lot of their animals. And so she's there, you know, hanging out and, um, and making people smile and, and get helping them put their business back together. Um, I think she is 23 this year. So she's um, a therapy horse yep. as well. Yep. Yep. Very and cool. she's always been a therapy horse for me too. Um, awesome. my mom was in the world trade center on September 11th. Oh, and wow. So she was there with me the whole time, you know, when we were waiting and waiting to hear and all that kind of stuff. So she, she's really special. And, um, then, as I got through grad school, I was like, you know, horses make you stupid. I was like, oh, I can do this again. <laughs> I'm such a genius. <laughs> um, so I decided to get another lease pony. Um, and I, I learned a lot really quickly. Um, and I ended up getting a few more. And um, again, it was it was touch and go in the beginning. I mean, I think there are many moments it could have sunk us, but um, somehow held on and slowly built something up. And um, at times I've had as many as 16 or 17 ponies right now. Um, the market's pretty strong and, and I don't have as many, but um, it's been great to be out there and be part of the community and what people are looking for and how that all shifts Absolutely. over time and being part of the young animals. And one of the things I think is really cool is I've bred um, a couple here and everyone tells me, oh, you need to buy them in Europe. You can't afford to do it here. And we figured out ways, um, my business partner and the ponies, Emily Ellick and I, um, and she is the trainer and, and she does all the hard pony stuff, but together we've strategized ways to bring the pony market all the way to fruition in the US, which I think is awesome, awesome. because when you're breeding here, you're supporting everyone, you know, you are supporting the vets, you are supporting the farriers, you're growing your people when they're in the US their whole lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's so cool that you do that. And what you said about the therapy horse too, I, I think that's another area that we could really as an industry do, do better in, you know, there's so many families are going through something that that's not great, but there's a horse out there that would be perfect um, for them to make them kind of get away for five or 10 minutes or an hour a day, just enjoy that horse. Absolutely. I think people get so wrapped up in themselves and the people around them and you know it's, it's sometimes the people around you are so much more exhausting than you are to yourself and and the horses just make you stop you know you can't you can't play on your phone you can't um you know you have to it, it, I think it comes back to that procrastinating part like you right. have to go in and get stuff done at the barn they need something too and it's, it's just a completely different you know relationship and I think so many people are 
feel unable to stop in today's world and the horses kind of force them to get off the screen and 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 live with themselves a little bit i think it's so great it's it's medicine for me you know they they force you to focus on them but once you do it just for a minute then you don't want to stop it's just addicting you know so that's wonderful so so this is so great and i hate to cut it but um i know we're running out of time but so how can people find you um as far as the classes or, or the lease ponies or the plaid horse itself? Um, you can find the plaid horse at thepladhorse.com. Um, all the college stuff launches off of thepladhorse.com slash college. So it's really easy to find there. Um, and you can find the ponies and most issues of the magazine. That's awesome. And we'll put everything also at the end of the show so everybody can watch it and they can write it down if they didn't get it then. Okay, perfect. All right, Popper, thank you so much for being on your inspiration. I know people are going to look up to you. I can't wait to get your story out for other people to see and get involved in the industry. Thank you so much, Scott. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Bye, Popper. Bye. With 60 years of fascinating facts, this is the man from yesterday. And back in time we go to this time in 1968, Dot Records releases the single I'd Love Making Love to You by Leonard Nimoy, who portrays Spock on NBC TV's Star Trek. But you're here now, we're so near now. And I'd love making love to you. And from this time in 1984, the Jacksons with Michael Jackson form at the first stop of their victory tour at Kansas City. How you doing? Now we're gonna give you the old stuff, the old-fashioned way. Oh, baby, give me one more chance. Show you that I love you. And from this time in 1999, Sting's going to do a new version of the 1968 Oscar-winning song The Windmills of Your Mind for a remake of the Thomas Crown Affair. Like a tunnel that you follow To a tunnel of its own Down a hollow to a cavern Where the sun has never shone Like a door that keeps revolving In a half-forgotten dream with more at manfromyesterday.com. Earth, Sky, Saturday, May 25th. Don't miss out on the great planetary attraction, the planets Venus, Jupiter, and Mercury, in the western sky after sunset. When three planets come together, occupying less than five degrees of sky, the grouping is called a planetary trio. This month's planetary trio is the first since May 2011 and the last to take stage until October 2015. A typical binocular field covers about 5 degrees of sky. If you have binoculars, take them along with you to see Mercury, Venus, and Jupiter snuggling up together within a single binocular field. If you don't have binoculars, view this planetary attraction with the unaided eye. All three planets will be within 3 degrees of one another as dusk falls on May 25th, 26th, and 27th. That's about the width of your thumb at an arm's length. Look for all three worlds to pop out into the deepening dusk around 40 to 60 minutes after sunset. With binoculars, you can spot the planets all the sooner. Venus is the brightest of the threesome, followed by Jupiter and then Mercury. 
The three planets lurk low in the west at evening dusk and then follow the sun beneath the horizon around nightfall. If you have binoculars, start your search around 30 minutes after sunset. And if you're using your eyes alone, start searching about 45 minutes after the sun goes down. Come to our website at earthsky.org for a sky chart. EarthSky is a clear voice for science. We're at earthsky.org. We've got the Academy Awards, the Emmys, and Grammys. But what should we call the award for the most extraordinary performance by a corporate profiteer? How about the sleazy, with winners getting a solid gold sculpture of a middle finger? There were so many worthy contenders, but one corporation exhibited uncommon callousness, so the 2021 sleazy goes to Tyson Foods. The meatpacking giant has regularly run roughshod over workers, farmers, communities, and the environment, not to mention the millions of animals it fattens and slaughters. But the coronavirus pulled out the worst in Tyson's corporate ethic. Last April, its billionaire chair, John Tyson, ranted that health officials who were closing down several of his slaughterhouses that had become hotbeds of contagion were creating another crisis, a national meat shortage. Responding instantly, our corporate compassionate burger-gobbling president decreed that meatpacking plants were crucial to America's national security and must be kept open at all cost. Trump's edict required workers to return to their jobs or be fired. Only, there was no meat shortage. Indeed, Tyson and other giants actually increased their meat exports to China last year. Meanwhile, COVID rampaged through Tyson's factories. In its Waterloo, Iowa facility alone, a third of the processing workers were infected and at least six died. Which brings us to the corporate play that cinched this year's sleazy for Tyson. Waterloo slaughterhouse supervisors actually knew that the back-to-work order would sicken hundreds, but not exactly how many. So, managers organized a winner-take-all betting pool on the percent of employees who would test positive. It was simply something fun, said one, kind of a morale boost. This is Jim Hightower saying the virus infected more than a third of the workers in the plant. Some fun, huh? Welcome to the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show, created and hosted by Scott Knudsen, to explore the intersection of ranch life and the business world. On the first part of today's show, Scott visits with Teresa Zimmerman of Wood Underwear to hear her journey to success. There's so many potential entrepreneurs, they just have to go out there and try it and work yeah. really, really hard. Yeah, and I think you, I think if you understand your own risk tolerances, then you can kind of, you know, forget the business part of it, like your own personal and maybe family risk tolerances. Um, then you can, then you're, then you can allow yourself a little bit more freedom to do that. Um, and then you've got to also be okay to fail, right? What's the worst thing that can happen? And in part two of today's episode, we'll hear from Tara Masler, Director of Marketing for the American Coder Horse Association. What says a lot about being an AQHA professional horseman is all pro, pro horsemen like yourself have to abide by a code of ethics where they don't get to be an AQHA professional horseman. So you know when you're dealing with an AQHA professional horseman, like they, they are a head above the rest. Now, here's your host, Scott Knudsen. Hi, welcome to the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today we have a great show, a fun show. Who doesn't like wood? 
Wood Underwear. Teresa Zimmerman is our guest today, and she is the founder of Wood Underwear. Teresa, thank you so much for joining us. I'm so happy to be here, Scott. Thank you. That is awesome. So, so how did you get involved in the industry? Yeah, oh, God. You, well, so, so first of all, let's just talk about why I'm here, right? Oh. So you want to you wanna tell them the news or should I? I'm going to let you do that. That's okay. All right. Well, we got, uh, we got a, a new brand ambassador, Cowboy uh, Scott, and uh, he's going to be hanging out on his horse in wood underwear. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, and we we love it. And thank you so much for the for the relationship and the partnership. And 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 we do love it. It is. Uh, I'll tell you what. It's uh it's tried and true. Nine hours in the saddle, and it still feels great. And and uh, it's just high quality. It's so comfortable. But I can't talk enough good things about it for sure. And I'm really honored awesome. to be. Love to hear it. Love to hear it. Part of yeah. the team. So so how did how did I get involved? In, how did I get into men's underwear? In the industry. I, um, I mean, it's kind of a loaded question, right? I mean, I've been trying to get into men's underwear all my life. <laughs> my whole life has turned into a pun fest since That's I've been good. doing this. Right? Um, in in all seriously, all seriousness, it it happened, you know, by accident, as many amazing things do. So I couldn't have written it, but you know, it did follow a path. And um, there was a certain point. Gosh. Um, 2011 end of 2011 already um we're, we've been around that long i uh i was exploring opportunities um did a bunch of collaborations what underwear came out of her or a version of what underwear came out of it um i tried to ignore it my husband wouldn't let me so uh and then i thought okay well how hard can it be to go sell a few pair of underwear and um you know i mean eight years later almost nine years later here we are so we started in uh January 2012 and it's been it's been a journey fun that's, journey that's so exciting though it's so exciting you got to do it you know you said I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna get in this this market and I'm gonna be successful and you did it that's so wonderful yeah well I mean I don't know if you've experienced this but sometimes it's better to not know what you don't know absolutely so um, you know, I think if you know too much, sometimes you would avoid a lot of it, <laughs> but, uh, it's, uh, it has been so much fun. It's, it's, it's been great. I learned something I would say every day without exaggeration. I learned something every day. That's the greatest part about, you know, being an entrepreneur and being, um, in business is you learn. And if you want to learn, there's something there to learn for sure. Yes. For sure. So how did you come up with the name Wood Underwear? Oh, gosh. Well, so, uh, I mean, we're having fun with it, right? So, you know, we're having fun with the, the metaphor, but um, they, there, there's more to the story. Um, the fabric we deal with are like wood viscous fabrics, um, uh, tensile uh, blends with cotton, modal blends with cotton. Modal and tensile are both wood viscous products. They offer the technical um, parts of the fabric, the wicking and the moisture control and the odor control and the um, thermoregulation properties and I mean you can start talking all kinds of technicalities it's a it's a German technology lensing is the German company and we we blend it with cotton um, and then uh, and then it's just a matter of you know trying to catch somebody's eye with a name right and I think we do that really well but then we back it up with a really great product uh, absolutely it's terrific and there's some that even have cashmere correct 
Yes, we do a luxe line. We do one color every year for the holiday season. Um, so we do a lounge pant and a lounge uh, Henley. This year is a Henley and, and a pair of underwear as well in a, um, it's a, it's a cashmere modal elastane blend. It's about 12% cashmere. So um, you can throw it in the washer and dryer. It's, I mean, it's super cool. It's luxury, but affordable luxury. It's a great product. For it's that person who has everything, they do not have cashmere underwear, probably. But they should. <laughs> they should. Yeah, absolutely they should. I'm a better person for it, I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, yeah. so, so what did you do before wood underwear? What, what, what's your background? My background is um, brand and marketing, all kinds of uh, areas, um, lots of different agencies, um, and mostly dealing with B2B, you know, corporate, um, big global businesses, um, about as far as you can get from anything to do with shopping and to do with underwear. So it's, uh, it, it is, um, it's very different, <laughs> but you know, the principles of branding and marketing apply to everything. And, um, yeah, so it's, it's that part of it's comfortable for me and, um, everything else I'm having to learn. So, yeah, it's well, great. it shows through the work, everything is just great. You know, your social yeah. media platforms and it's just, easy. Thank you. and it's Thank fun. You. And, yeah. and I have a lot of amazing people helping too. So it's, it's really, it's really been, it's been a, a labor of love. That's awesome. So, so we have entrepreneurs watching and we have some maybe want to be entrepreneurs watching. So, okay. so being successful in, in this industry and an entrepreneur, what are some of the tips, maybe, maybe a learning experience they can, you can help sh maybe shed some light on? Be brave. Right. I mean, you probably could say that too, right. With everything that you do. Um, I mean, you've got to be brave and you've got to, um, I, you know, it's, it's almost as simple as just start. Right. You just have to start. Right. Um, you can do all kinds of risk mitigation. You can do all kinds of planning. But at the end of the day, you're not really going to know what you're up against and whether you're up for it until you start. Mm -hmm. Right. So um, for me, it is for me, it's I'm, I'm not risk averse necessarily. I'm I'm more I have to think about being risk averse instead of thinking about just going and doing so I kind of have the opposite of problem of many of my friends. Um, so I, you know, I've got the sign on my desk. It says, think, then jump, because it's my reminder that that's the order it probably should go in. <laughs> so, um, so for me, you know, if somebody says, you know, yeah, you should go do it, they probably should say, Hey, you should go plan that, right? Whereas I find myself telling people, yeah, you should just go do it because they've already done all the planning. So right. there's a little bit of both of those things. Right. I, I think that's what makes you so special is that you just get out there and you do it and then you figure out a way to make it successful, you know, and, and, and uh, that's part of the part of there's so many potential entrepreneurs, they just have to go out there and try it and work yeah. really, really hard. Yeah, and I think you, I think if you understand your own risk tolerances, then you can kind of, you know, forget the business part of it, like your own personal and maybe family risk tolerances. Um, then you can, then you're, then you can allow yourself a little bit more freedom to do that. Um, and then you've got to also be okay to fail, right? What's the worst thing that can happen, right? Absolutely. I mean, can I try this for a year? And if I can get it to this point, then yeah, I can continue. Right. And then if it doesn't work, then don't beat yourself up. I mean, most, most endeavors don't, aren't, uh, 
you know, not everybody gets to turn into the next Amazon or Apple, right? So, sure. or Uber or whatever, you know, whatever company you look up to. So it's, uh, but there's a whole lot of small businesses out there that do super, super well that you can consider successful, even if they were only successful for three years and somebody decided, hey, I tried that. For me, it was successful, but time to shut down. Yeah, that's right. You know, you're, you're so right. You got to do it. You got to follow your passion. That's, that's the main thing. And, and, yep. and it's good for people to, to see you. And that's why I was so excited uh, to see you and hear from you and about a successful brand out there because um, it is a journey. And it never really stops. I don't know how long you, you know, you're in business. It doesn't really matter. But every single day, there's something else going on. And right. Yeah. Well, I mean, so this is how much I didn't know when I started. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just going to give you a little insight into this. It's actually a little frightening, um, you know, in talking about it so openly now to think about that was my reality back, you know, nine years ago. <laughs> so, ago. Yeah. Like I had, I had product coming in from overseas into what I hoped I picked as the right port, right? Oh my. I had no idea how I was gonna get it from that port to where. I didn't know what the processes were to do that. I mean, I figured there were people who specialized in that and absolutely there are. Um, I figured I was gonna have to climb some fence, drag a truck in there, figure out which container it's in, drag it out, somehow get it to a storage unit and I was gonna be, you know, picking and packing orders and taking them to the post office every day. Um, that uh, fortunately is not the case, but, um, but that's what I knew at the time, right? And so, and, and even it landed and I have some amazing friends who, uh, when they heard what I was doing, they proactively called me and said, hey, what are you doing about 3PL? And I'm going, what, what is 3PL? And what are you doing about warehousing? And what are you doing about this? And what are you doing about that? And I'm like, well, I don't even know what to do about those things. So you tell me what I'm doing. But the fact that they, when you talk to people, they will come to you with ideas and knowledge, right? So it's like, don't hide your, don't hide the fact that you don't know everything um, because people are always willing to help you create your dreams, right? So then the other part to that is once I got product, um, I didn't know how I was going to sell it. So I, at the time, I took sort of the online version of the Yellow Pages in the local area that I lived in. So I founded the company out of Hermosa Beach. So you see the surfboard in the background. Um, and, um, you know, I started selling, I started selling underwear under a tent on the beach, right? To oh. people who could care less about underwear, probably weren't wearing underwear and certainly didn't want to talk to me about underwear. Right. Um, that's my sort of version of the two guys in a garage startup. But I also in this online um, online version of the Yellow Pages, um, I found what I considered men's stores. I didn't know there were such things as men's boutiques, I assumed, because women have boutiques. Right. And um, and I drove all over uh, Orange County, L.A. County, and I walked into stores with my little bag of samples and said, hey, do you want to see my underwear? And that's kind of how I started this whole thing. And some of those people are some of my best customers even today, nice. even though the product I had at the time was not up to par. So, but it was the it was relationship driven, and that's part of what I love too about this business. Absolutely, relationships are everything, and and I think 
I think you, you said everything right there is just asking for people and, and letting people know what you're doing and they'll get in the fight with you and they, they want to help. They will. Yeah. I mean, even my customers get in the fight with me. They're like, no, Teresa, you got to do this. You got to think about this. Do you know about trade shows? I'm like, well, I know I try to avoid trade shows when I've been told to go to them with clients in other parts of the business, but they're like, oh no, there's these things, there's these things called men's clothing trade shows. I'm like, oh wow, okay. So let's figure out where, where those are. How do we get to those? Right, well, that, that just shows you, you have to be nimble in this deal. And when people give yeah. you a good idea, you kind of have to go with it, you know? And yeah, absolutely. And ask questions. And when people say something to you, you know, you, you, it's okay to not know. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Even though I started a business and you'd think I would have done that kind of planning. I mean, this is why it's frightening for me to talk about like this right now is like, okay, you were super, super naive. I didn't even know what questions to ask. Oh man. Well, I love the hook. Let's talk about underwear. Okay. There Let's you talk go. about underwear. Yeah. That's you want to talk about underwear right now? Absolutely. You've seen my underwear. Absolutely. <laughs> you've, worn my, you've worn my underwear, Scott. I do. I do every yeah. day. Every 